What ho, City Church? It's been a while since we've done this, or at least since I've done this. It's so lovely to be here in front of you. It really is um, wonderful to see you um, and just be present in the moment with you. So as Graham has already alluded uh, this afternoon, I have been given the privilege of coming and talking to you a little bit about forgiveness. And please, I don't come this afternoon as an expert. I don't have all the answers. I have plenty of questions, but I do know this. And as I get older, I know it in increasing strength that God has and does and continues to forgive me. Father, Help us this afternoon to receive afresh from you just how outrageous and glorious and life-changing your forgiveness is. We don't earn it. It's a gift that was free, that is free, but it's not cheap. Help us this afternoon. Amen. So the passage I want to look at this afternoon comes from Luke chapter 11, verse 4. It's from the Lord's Prayer. We all know it. We were taught it in school, at least many of us were. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's not even a full statement. Forgive us as we forgive others. The Lord's Prayer was Jesus' response, a direct response to a question from his disciples. We're not even told in Luke who asked the question. But they said to him, teach us, Lord, how to pray. How do we do this thing called prayer? And, it's how, and that is the, the Lord's Prayer is how Jesus responds. And verse 4, forgive us as we forgive others, is absolutely brilliant in just how succinct an answer that he could give. The more you look into it, the more staggering it, staggering it is in its implications. It's a number of things. It's both a confession... Forgive us, Lord. It's a confession, acknowledging, in effect, that I've messed up, that I've blown it, and I've blown it so spectacularly badly. It's an acknowledgement of just how hopeless I am. But it's more than that as well. It's also a plea for God to bestow upon us his grace and his favor and his loving mercy. And when you tunnel right into it it's in effect the whole of the Christian message in less than a sentence I challenge you this week read the Lord's Prayer if read it every day but verse 4 is also brilliant because it goes on as we forgive the sins of others it's not even said as a command it is in effect, because if we're to be followers of Jesus, that is the path he calls us to, a path of living forgiveness. 
But it's also implied. He says, forgive us as we forgive others. The implication is, is that it's something we do in response to the outrageous forgiveness that we've already received. It's based on the fact that our sin and our mess is so bad and it smells so vile, it's basically a debt that is impossible for us to repay. And when you look into it and you, you consider the whole area of forgiveness, who can forget passages like Matthew 18? Again, it was Jesus' response to a direct question from his disciples. Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Do I forgive him seven times? And if you're into your, if you're into your Jewish Hebrew if you're into the, if you get really into the history of the thing, you understand actually Peter's trying to be super holy here. And Jesus actually challenges him. He says, No, you forgive 70 times seven. So is that just, you know, seven sevens, 49, stick a zero on the end? Oh, okay, I, deliver, I forgive up to 490 times, and then that's when I'm going to write you off. No, what Jesus, I believe, is actually saying, you've got to forgive. 490 years worth of offense. I don't have the time to unpack that fully for you this afternoon. But it's, in effect, Jesus sets the standard so high that when you look at it, you think, how can I forgive like that? Jesus, in this passage, he takes it further. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. I know that you know this passage. And when he began to settle the accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, the king basically commands that he, his entire family, are thrown into the debtor's prison until the debt could be repaid. It was an enormous sum of money. In today's reckoning it was well into the millions you know the story the parable the king as this servant falls down in front of him he has compassion on him and he writes off the debt says you're a free man you can go that servant then goes and finds a colleague another servant who owes him a few hundred pounds grabs him by the neck and says you owe me this money and insists that he pay him up that he pay up and when his fellow servant is unable to meet his demands, he has him thrown into the debtor's prison. Naturally, all the other acquaintances of that first servant, horrified, knowing the huge debt that the first servant has been let off, they tell the king, and the king naturally is outraged. But here's the frightening part. This is the king speaking. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to, and I'm reading from the New King James, delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And these are Jesus' words, gang. I wish I could work, water this down and make it easier. But this is, these are Jesus' words. He says, 
so my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. Forgive us as we forgive others. I wonder, I wonder if you've ever noticed the symptoms, as I call them, of people who carry unforgiveness. And I'm indebted to Barney Coombs for this. Quite often, they exhibit what's called the loop film syndrome. You know when you watch a film that's on a loop and it just keeps going over and over and over the same, the same passage, the same set of incidents again and again? People who carry loop film syndrome they keep rehearsing the offences that have been done to them. It goes over and over and over and over in their minds like a loop. What inevitably happens is that person ultimately finds themselves trapped in a, in a loop cycle. The other symptom I've, I've often noticed is the tongue keeps talking. Quite often, the person who has been sinned against or is carrying offence, they seek out others to confide in. If you've ever been involved in any sort of pastoral role, I'm sure you will have come across people carrying offence. And at the first opportunity, it just keeps gone playing. It keeps on going round and round and round. The same set of circumstances. It happens every time they meet. It's no wonder in Matthew 12, verse 34, it says, For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. It's so true. I've often noticed as well, and, and I identify with some of these. Please, I'm, I'm not saying I'm immune to this. But quite often, when we hold unforgiveness, we end up adopting a critical attitude, a critical spirit. Our state of mind gets somehow changed or corrupted their views on life gets distorted the cup is always half empty the weather's all wrong it's either too hot too cold there's too much rain or how about this one the guy preaching he takes too long politicians they're all out for their own ends and the cat neighbor's cat is pooped on the lawn again and it, there is, and I, I identify with this. There's times when I know that I've been critical because I've been holding on to unforgiveness. I've also noticed how people quite often will avoid, they'll go to enormous lengths to avoid the person or the situation that caused the original offence. Ever come across that one? Well, that's it. Bang. That's the last time I ever talked to that wretched woman, man, neighbor. Insert what you will. And the amazing thing is, well, it's not amazing, it's actually quite sad, that when people make statements like that, they generally go on and carry them through. I've known people go to enormous lengths to avoid those people and situations. Not to mention, oh, this, is a, this, is, oh, this one strokes your imagination. It does me. What about harboring malicious thoughts? Ever had somebody offend you or commit some sin against you? 
and you play out this imaginary tract, this imaginary play in your mind, oh, how I could just get even. And you think of all those choice words where you could just tear a slice off them. Know your place. Ever done that? Nobody's nodding your head. You're obviously all far too holy. There's another symptom as well. Ever heard that phrase, birds of a feather? People who harbor unforgiveness, they always seem to attract other people who harbor unforgiveness. And you come across these little cliques and they tend to be like, I don't know, they're like a... You know when you pull a plug out in the bath and you get that vortex around the plug hole? And every conversation seems to go the same way. Down the plug hole. And another one I noticed, or I've got here, how about uncontrolled anger? I've seen that a lot. In fact, I... Yeah, we won't go there, but it's, it's a bit like a volcano. You know, with a volcano, you've got all that molten lava, and it's just bubbling away under the surface. And from the outside, they can look, you know, they can look quite attractive volcanoes until they go off. And then you don't want to be anywhere near them because you know you're going to get a piece of red-hot lava in a sensitive spot. And people with uncontrolled anger who harbor harboring unforgiveness, when they erupt... It just goes everywhere. The damage is just random. It's no wonder in Proverbs 25, 28, it says, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man or woman who has no control over their spirit. But let's just take a reality check here. I know that some of us here have had to endure the worst offences. We have been sinned against. Horrible things, be it murder, sexual abuse, theft, betrayal, maybe you've been lied about, bullied, rejected. And I'm sure you can add a few more onto that list. I wish I could make this easier for you this afternoon. But the rules of Matthew chapter 18 still apply. Forgiveness is the path to take if we profess to be followers of Jesus Christ. It's just not an option. And sometimes the task of, forgive, of forgiveness can seem impossible. It can seem like a demand too far. But here's some additional thoughts. Don't ever make the mistake of thinking that your, the forgiveness that we extend to others allows the offender to get away with it. It's not a case of us just meekly rolling over and taking a good kicking, if I can use that phrase. It's not that at all. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 12 went to great lengths to talk about it. And in verse 19, he quotes... Vengeance is mine to repay, says the Lord, and I will repay. Forgiveness frees us. It frees us from a prison of our own making. It allows us, and these are Jesus' words from John 10 verse 10, it allows us to experience life and life in all its fullness. It's a promise. 
I wonder if the words in Matthew chapter 18, when Jesus says, so my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive. When he refers to that word of torture, when he talks about being handed over to the torturers, if we refuse to forgive, we end up in this prison, tortured by our own mindsets. I've met and heard plenty of people who have refused to extend forgiveness. And to be honest, the results aren't nice at all. I can't think of one nice one. It was amazing. I I came in the other evening. I sat down. I switched the television set on. And it was, there was an interview going on between, um, well, it it, it was a mother and her son. And it was to do with the September 11th attacks. And this lady had, she had suffered horrendously. It was a wonder that she was alive. She'd been horribly burned. And her son, who at the time was just a few months old, was at home um, being cared for. And subsequently, she went on this huge rehabilitation process to kind of get some life back, having suffered so horribly. And she recounted the story, and she had had to suffer horribly. And then the interviewer picked up on her son. And uh, it was a really handsome young guy in the prime of his life. And he talked really eloquently, talked about you know, the struggles that he'd seen his mum go through. And then the interviewer asked him, he said, what would you like to say to Osama bin Laden if you could? And the volcano burst at that point, okay? Now, the point is, and the point is, the point is, is this, that with sin and with offenses that are aimed at us, in one sense, we're justified in feeling really mad and riled about them. It's not fair. And this young man, he erupted, And he didn't really answer the question, but he made a chilling statement. He said, I wish they hadn't shot Osama bin Laden. He said, I wish I could have got to him first. And he said, I would have tortured him. And he was very specific about it. And his whole countenance, even his physical demeanor at that point, just dropped as he went off on this eruption of what he would like to do. Now, don't get me wrong. He'd seen some really horrendous things, things that no young child, man, should have to see. But I couldn't help thinking at that point, there's a person tortured in a prison of their own making. And why Jesus pushes this whole message in the Lord's Prayer is because unforgiveness is a very heavy burden that we were never meant to carry. Rodney, Sonia, spot on. So I've met plenty of people and seen plenty of people who haven't extended forgiveness. But I've also heard and met people who have. Corrie Ten Boom, many of you will be familiar with that that name. She endured the horrors of uh, the Nazis concentration camps she she witnessed horrendous atrocities her own sister died in front of her 
And yet God moved powerfully through her because of the forgiveness that she was able to extend. And she recounts really clearly how after the war, speaking at one event and coming face to face with one of the guards at Belson, I think it was, who had been instrumental in the death of her sister. And she said, I was faced at that point with a choice. Are you going to forgive or are you going to hold on to this? And it's an amazing story how she extended forgiveness to that man who came to faith in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. The Moravian missionaries who, back in 1764, went to speak to the Eskimos and became aware quite quickly that they were completely unfamiliar with this idea of forgiveness. They didn't even have a word in their language for it. So they invented a word, which basically means not being able to think about the offense anymore. In effect, forgiveness breaks us out of that cycle, that going round and round the loop. It breaks that cycle and allows us to live free. So how do we do it? How do we do this thing called forgiveness? Again, some thoughts of mine. Bring it before the Lord. Bring whatever offense, whatever unforgiveness you might be holding on to, bring it before the Lord. It's the best place to start. If you're really struggling with a situation, really struggling with whatever the offense is, bring it before the Lord. Come to me said Jesus. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's light. It's easy. Unforgiveness is a heavy, heavy, weary load that God never intended us to carry. The other thing I would say to you, once you bring these before the Lord, is to verbalize it. Actually speak it out and say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what the offense is. And I would also encourage you, please, don't trust. Don't trust your feelings and emotions. As useful as they are at times, they can be misleading. As I've said a few minutes ago, we're so often justified in feeling the way we feel. You know, it's an offense after all. It wasn't my fault. (laughs) The other thing I would say is talk. Talk to someone. Talk with a trusted friend, a Christian friend. Somebody who you know is going to challenge you in the right places. And ask them to pray it through with you. You might have to do it more than once. But verbalize that forgiveness against whoever it is or whatever has caused the offense. And ask the Holy Spirit for his help. I promise you that as you do this, it might not happen instantaneously. It might, praise God. But as you do that, those prison walls come down. How do I know? 
I'm living proof of it myself. And I, please, I don't say that light, lightly. Those walls can and will come down. I think that was 20 minutes, wasn't it, Graham? Pretty much. So our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, Lord, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us, Lord, not into temptation, but forgive us. For thine is the kingdom, Lord, the power and the glory. And it's forever. It's forever, Lord. Amen.